Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Welcome, everybody, to Nightlight. I'm Barb DeLong, your host, and I welcome you to, I think, what is going to be one of the most fascinating shows I've done in a long time. With a great deal of effort, I want you to know I bring you a show that I have been trying to get on the air for quite a while now. And what I love about this guest and and the material we're talking about is that it's material that, that I hold near and dear to my heart, and the philosophy is one that I relate to tremendously. Um, let me kind of give you the, the entree into it, which is fascinating. Humanity has prayed for the end of suffering for generations, and yet it still exists today on this planet. There must be something that is not quite right, with all the saviors of all the world's religions having each come to earth and having each fulfilled their individual calling. Why is it that there is still suffering on the planet? Is it that the saviors didn't reach us all the, didn't teach us all the right messages? Is it that we, the followers, don't actually, didn't actually learn the lessons? What, what's going on to take, what will it take to actually end the suffering and bring us our salvation? If the saviors are here to save us, what then are the missing elements to actually being saved? There must be a way to our salvation. There must be a way for our prayers to be answered. If God is holding the answers, where is our role in the salvation of humanity? What do the saviors know that perhaps we've missed? What is our own personal role in fulfilling the savior's teaching? Les Jensen has written an amazing book called Forgiven Sinner, God's Last Savior. And he takes a closer and compelling look at the role of the savior and how we, the seekers, can fulfill our part. There's a path to salvation of humanity. There's a rule for you to play out in this lifetime of yours. How can we come to terms with our sins and actually fulfill the dreams of our ancestors of bringing heaven back to earth? When we have really learned the teachings of the saviors, we will be saved. So what is your part in all of this? And this has been something that I have been 
working on, working towards, trying to understand. It's been a conundrum I have been wrestling with, um, as most of you have been. And, and it's wonderful to find somebody else who has been doing the wrestling as well. I love people like Les because, you know, he wasn't born to be anything like a prophet or anything like that, nor was I. And yet, the element of seeking and sharing what we found out is has become a driving force in both of our lives, each in our own individual ways. So I welcome to the show, Les Jensen. Les, thank you so much for struggling with me to get this show on the air. It's my sheer pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, I, you know, when I discovered your book, first of all, I, I, the title is what snagged me. And the more I read, the more I thought, my goodness, this man has the same textbook I do. And, and it, <laughs> it's, you know, it's such a pleasure to meet somebody who is wrestling the same way I am. And I think one of the most fascinating things is people like you and, and, and kind of like me do not, as, as a child going to high school and everything, say, well, I'm going to be a teacher of spirituality at some point in time. I mean, that's just not the goal that I was aiming at, nor you from what I could gather from the book. Boy, not at all. I didn't have an inkling whatsoever of being an author, a radio host, or a spiritual anything for the first several decades of my life. It uh, it really um kind of came through the back door the cosmic two by four if you will crack me open <laughs> <laughs> yes, when I'm it's about 35 i guess yeah i'm very familiar with that two by four yeah. um <laughs> i i have one that has so many dents in it it's not funny um i i think one of the one of the things about life is that most people don't don't conceive of this as school and i do and and so it, it's sort of like, you know, you make it out of high school and college or whatever, and then, you know, you're equipped to conquer the world, but but you're not. And and the journey to the joy and the happiness that, that we all seek that gives us the vibrancy and the and the excitement of life that we're looking for isn't outside of us, it's inside of us. And it, it takes a lot to figure it out. Oh, indeed. The the traditional um, education, be it religious, be it academic, be, in, be it societal or um, culturally, um, leaves us woefully inadequately prepared to actually do anything about our mythology. Our, I mean, if you look at the history of humanity, kind of like this narrative that's been playing out for hundreds and thousands of years, there's there's nothing in it as an example of humanity coming out of the struggle. I mean, saviors come and they go, but the, the narrative of humanity is, is entrenched in struggle. And here we are at 2019, and there's, there's quite a bit of suffering on this planet. There's quite a bit of abuse. Well, um, and, and it feels like more so than less. Well, well, the um, until the right uh, information gets out there, and it 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 needs to be clearly recognized that the only savior that's going to save humanity is humanity itself. 
Yeah, and and that's the purpose of it all. And and you know, I want to make it very clear that that you know, I believe, and I do, I believe you do too. That that there is an ultimate creator of all that is. It's not we're not denying that there's somebody, not somebody out there that 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 is the source of all creation. But but it's rather, um, it, it's rather uppity of us to think that that humanity on the earth plane is the first and foremost in in the mind of the creator and the reality is i i kind of analogize it to um planting seeds you know you scatter seeds you don't sit and watch each one grow you don't really sit around and and shelter it from the storms it it's sort of like you let the seeds go and they fell where they may and they grow or not well, sure. The I mean, God with the big G, goddess with the big G. Um, they're they're there to to help us in any way, shape, or form we so desire. And and Jesus, let me be very clear. Jesus knows how to kick some royal ass as far as manifesting his, his divinity as an ambassador of love. He's a phenomenal model of what's possible in our human demeanor. And he himself said, everything that I have done, you will do as well. So we should all be expecting ourselves to perform miracles, heal the sick, raise the dead, mm-hmm. manifest out of thin air. Well, yeah. And and the, the fact is that, that these saviors, these teachers, these people that have achieved this enlightenment um, were not meant to be pray to they were meant to be used as you can ascend to this this is you know they graduated you can too and most of us have been programmed that that's not the case so that so that a lot of the stuff that we need to go through is to deprogram ourselves from the limitations that have been put upon us by ourselves oh my gosh yes indeed I've, I've, some of my other books talk about the the sovereignty and the dominion of your sort of your consciousness. I mean, the kingdom of heaven is within us. I mean, in other words, um, source consciousness um, is at the root of all of our consciousness. Our ego has no um, awareness of its own. It runs on the consciousness of source consciousness. That's Mm -hmm. at the core of our being. Well, it it also only has a frame of reference from this lifetime. So the concept of there being more than it is not something that it can embrace. Well, the the ego doesn't have to figure it out. In fact, I don't think it has the capacity to understand the infinite potential of our human persona. And, And, you know... If you look at the dynamics of it all, what's the most powerful consciousness of humanity? Now, we can look at that in in several different contexts. There's archangels and there's, well, there's the big guy, you know, God with a capital G, goddess mm-hmm. with a capital G. There's there's droves of mystics and sages, uh, light light workers, beings of light. But those are all moot moot when it comes to changing the dynamic of the human experience. 
all the powerful, powerful consciousness, all the deities are moot because of our free will. Mm -hmm. And so the strongest, the most powerful substance on the planet for influencing our human future is humanity. You got to have, you got to have flesh and bones. You have to have a body to be able to directly influence the human dynamic. And, and it, it, it's, they set it up for us. I mean, the cards are loaded in our favor. Oh, absolutely. But we have to step into it and own it. And that is so contrary to how we've been taught. We're this, we're the citizen. We're the, we're the peasant. We're the, the masses. We're not the, the, the spark of divinity itself. We're not the powerful persona that can transform. Well, yes, we are. The, actually, we are, but we, we haven't been taught that. Yeah, and I there's a, a phrase out there that I have not coined, but that I use often, and it's basically, we are those that we have been waiting for. Sure. And it's just a matter of claiming that 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 part of ourself that that you know we're a spirit that is riding inside a human body this is a human experience for our spirit um our spirit's going to go on to other lifetimes and other places and and you know far beyond what my imagination could ever gather and it's been doing it for eons and eons and eons so that you know, people people will tell you that, that you know, we only use 5 to 6% of our brains. Well, what do you think is in the rest of it? What do you think is stored in what they call the garbage DNA? I mean, we have access to all of that information if we just let ourselves have access to it. Well, sure. The, the To talk about the context of human consciousness, it's kind of like talking about electricity. You can't see electricity. You can't look at a battery and know if there's a charge on it or not. You can't look at an outlet in your house unless something's plugged into it and tell if there's electricity there. It's a very etherical substance. And human consciousness is very similar. But um, if, we're, if we're all made from source consciousness, and I suggest that we are, I suggest that all of creation is a projection, a holographic projection of the one consciousness. If that's indeed the case, then the power of all the deities, the power of God and goddess, are, is an aspect of our own. So I would, I would ask this question, well then, how the hell did we incarnate into physical bodies get so disconnected from this immense amount of power to the point where we're playing out the uh, archetype of a slave or being homeless or being wrought with disease. We, we had to take an, and I can't overemphasize how much, we had to take an immense, immense amount of our power, of our, of our consciousness, and put it offline. We had to disconnect. From, a, from how extremely powerful we are. And so how did that happen? How did we get so disconnected from immense, our, our inherently immense divine power? And I suggest to you that that vehicle is karma and more specifically our subconscious. We loaded up our subconscious with suppressed emotions, with uh, many, many, many lifetimes of belief systems that had us 
playing out the role of this 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 mere mortal walking around on on the gravity swamp mother earth uh, such a beautiful <laughs> place um but and we could talk about this in length we we covered the entire scale of consciousness so there's no power to be learned. So imagine a planet covered with uh, ascended beings or Jesuses or, or extremely enlightened consciousness. There's nothing to heal. There's nothing disconnected from the truth. And so there's no opportunity to be powerful. If you go to a, a, a hero movie, the first 20 minutes, the first chunk of the movie is to portray how fierce and ferocious the villain is. And that's what makes the hero powerful because nobody in the, in the rank and file of the movie can see themselves as more powerful than, than the villain. So as souls incarnate on this planet, by choice, many, 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 many moons ago, eons of time ago, our souls chose to create the deepest, thickest, stinkiest karmic swamp you could possibly imagine and then turn around and incarnate into it, we're in a karmic tsunami. We're so disconnected from our truth. And if that's not the most powerful situation, because in, on this planet, we've gone to the very edge of darkness. We've built out a nuclear arsenal to vaporize all of life on this planet. We've gone to the very edge of darkness and that differential of potential from source consciousness to the extreme darkness defines an extremely powerful, powerful opportunity for a human being to connect with source consciousness in a sea of billions of people that have no clue it even exists. Well, what do you suppose, and, and you know, we can only speculate, but what do you suppose the purpose was? Because the intent was there. We, we put ourselves here to learn what? The, the many faces of, of, of potential to, to know ourselves, to know what is, is possible in the human condition, to, to play out paradigms of consciousness, to see... Um, to, to discover more aspects of ourselves. Consciousness is eternally expanding. Consciousness is, consciousness is eternally seeking new opportunities of expression. On this planet, at this time, I suggest you these years, these years in the, in the next few years, in the next few decades, are probably the most substantial transformation of consciousness I would suggest in the whole flipping galaxy because of how far we've gone into the darkness. Well, now, so so as we gather understanding, awareness, and whatever, we create greater facets, if you will, to ourselves, so that the light can shine out in other directions. And so, so every time we we have another one of those aha moments, another facet is created so that we can see with a different perspective, a different understanding, the power that we carry within. Sure. <clears throat> so saying to somebody, and I've, I've said it often to other people, <clears throat> excuse me, and I say it to myself all the time too, you know, there has to be more, what is it, where is it, how do I get to it? Mm -hmm. 
And when I tell people you need to work on yourself, you need to understand yourself in order to embrace what is inside of you and, and bring yourself to a better uh, way of manifesting the magic that's there within, within your reality. So, so how, do, how do you do that? I mean, you, you had a moment um, where you understood the power of the karma that was carried within. Sure. Well, the reason I'm breathing, the, my life purpose, is to language the power of unconditional love in a Western dialogue. And, the, and what my soul did to prepare me to do that was put me in front of very high power television transmitters. And I started my career in television way early in my life. And uh, I studied frequency and energy and, and very importantly, power. And, uh, you know, as a, as a young kid, I'm standing in front of this, this television transmitter that's putting out a million watts of power. I mean, it had melt itself in a heartbeat if I didn't honor the nature of the power. And you press the go button on one of those, those suckers and the glycol pumps kick on and the blowers kick on and this invisible, etherical <laughs> RF energy comes, comes ramping up and poof, millions of people get a pressing television signal in their, in their house. And it took me years of scratching my noggin I mean, I'd go to transmitter school and these PhDs would dump a bunch of ink on the board and explain to me the, um, how to build it, how to measure it, uh, measure the power, how to balance it, how to set it up, how to tune it. And that's all very important, just like our own consciousness. But something was elusive to me from from the classroom, and that was what's the difference between a million watts and a millionth of a watt? And then, like I said, when I was 35, the cosmic two by four cracked me open. And the moment, the moment that happened, I'm in a shrink's office and he's, he's talking to me about anger. And I'm like, this is the most ridiculous conversation I've ever had. I don't get angry. Why are we talking about anger? And he kind of gets up in my face and he puts his hand out and he says, look, Lass, come on, show me your anger. Push on my hand, show me your anger. I'm like, this is whatever. And I push, <laughs> I push on his hand and I kind of sink in the overstuffed couch and nothing happens. And he, he kind of gets in my face and goes, look, it's fine. It's safe. This is a safe place. In fact, I want to see your anger. It, you're safe here to show me your anger. Now, Les, can you show me your anger? And that moment, that moment changed my entire, that was the cosmic two by four. Because in that moment, some mysterious valve in my psyche opened up and just like turning on a transmitter, this immense amount of energy, immense amount of energy starts streaming out of my consciousness. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I remember asking the, the anger as it's pouring out of my consciousness. I'm like, who are you? And the anger's like, I, I'm whatever you think I am. See ya. And it's, it was so indifferent. The anger did not have 
um, any motive of its own. And that's really, really important when it comes to understanding karma. Karma is as impersonal as gravity. The mechanics of karma are timeless. There's nothing personal about karma. So when I released all that anger, the vibration of my soul, I went farther away from the slave mentality and much closer to the savior mentality or the source consciousness mm -hmm. or the ascended master. In that moment, the, the needle, if you will, of my, of my vibrational equivalent moved. And the reason it moved was a volume of energy involved in that moment. And, and it caught me off guard. The transmitter engineer in me said, what? Now, wait a minute. Stop time out. If this crap's been in my psyche for decades and I haven't been aware of it, what else is in there? And that's more than 20 years ago. And so I, I went on a quest with my own consciousness to go looking for it, to what the hell else is in here? And I found a whole lot of stuff. And, and, and by rooting out this, this um, compressed, this stored consciousness, what is karma? Karma is our own consciousness from the past pushed into our own psyche as an imprint. The anger I was releasing was my own consciousness, was my own anger that I never allowed myself to express. And it, and it, does, it does travel lifetime to lifetime if you don't diffuse it. Sure. So that, so that you know, and, and everybody's trying to figure out what, what kind of karma, you know, is he talking about? So it, it's sort of like... Um, when you're abused and you don't do anything, you just kind of ball it up and hide it inside. When there are things that you should do that you didn't do, you kind of ball it up and hide it inside. And, and it, can be, it can be major and it can be minor. It can be all sorts of different things. But the reality is it gets stored inside of you. <clears throat> and then unless you it, – it's like a garbage disposal, you know, unless you turn it on and crank it out, it, it just gets stopped up and you get stuck in place. Well, the, what, what releases it is our own consciousness. What is karma? It's our consciousness. And how do we fix it? With our own consciousness. No hammers. There's no physical tools to go on. You can't sump pump it out or shop back it out. It, it's our own consciousness. And, and again, I think it serves us very well to put this in context. If we are divinity itself, how much have we suppressed of our of our own authentic truth and i in it, it to put a number to it um it's like talking about electricity before electricity was discovered once it was discovered we assigned voltage and amperage so we could measure it and quantify it but in the consciousness realm we haven't come up with units of measurement for power but if i were to use electrical or RF equivalents, I'd say we have trillions, not billions, trillions and trillions of watts of, un, of suppressed uh, source consciousness within our own being. It has to be that way because ultimately we are the thing itself. Jesus said, you're going to do everything I'm going to do. If and we more. Look at, if we look at all the deities, we, we are one with that. 
And so at some point in our ascension back to source consciousness, we will pass every single rung on the ladder. Mm-hmm. So if a, if a ascended deity could, they won't because of free will, but if they could come down and wave a wand and change <laughs> the slums into palaces, that should be part of our equivalence. But in order to manifest that, you have to purify. In in Forgiven Sitter, I talk about two attributes. I talk about purity and authenticity. And if I deviate a gnat's ass beyond that, I'm going to bugger it up because I'm going to be projecting. I'm going to be projecting a a, a, a portrayal of all that is. The burning bush said, I am that I am. That's clean language. Purity and authenticity is the root of what I teach because I can't project anything on you without buggering it up. I mm-hmm. have to keep my language clean. Well, I think also what, 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 I try, what I try to explain to people is that everybody is unique. Sure. And, and it, it's, it's different for everybody. And finding, a, I mean, you do have your um, your school that you that you have that you've created. Um, I believe, right? Um, the human living, new, new human, human living, newhumanliving.com. And that does help to give people the tools that they need. I, I mean, you know, I think first first things first. You have to realize that that there's more inside of you, and and. And then once you've learned that, then it's how do I get there? And and then it's like, if I pray to you, will you teach me? And then that's not the case. It's, you know, you, you can give people tools. I mean, one of the biggest tools that, that I talk to people about is their intuition, their creativity and their intuition, which is a powerful tool to finding the magic within yourself. Sure. And I, I would suggest the source of that is higher consciousness or your yeah. oversoul or, or some equivalent to that to get your ego out of the way and let the higher consciousness that is inherently you to show up. But the, the, um, you, can, you can work on it from a couple of different angles. So, so you're saying, okay, what the hell? I got all this karma in my psyche because I'm not walking around healing folks. What the hell? Okay, I got to work on my karma. I got to do this. I got to do that. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. Um, on the planet now today, there is heaven and there is hell. There's certainly hell exists on this planet. To be sent to hell as punishment, well, then we're already here. <laughs> but, but heaven is a today now experience. Heaven can be experienced the entire time of the journey. It doesn't matter where you are on the karmic scale of consciousness to to understand and appreciate the dynamics of heaven makes the entire journey joyful. And that's what source consciousness offers if we're willing to recognize it and embody it, that we can live in heaven for the entire journey itself. And that's that's what... I, I think that the, the prophets and, and people like Jesus and Buddha um, and, and so many others were trying to be examples of this is where you can get to. It wasn't, I'm better than you. It's like, I'm just like you, and I got here. You can get there too. Sure. So 
say we're in non-local space, we're in heaven. So there's no time, there's no space, there's no here, there's no there. And we take a gnat's ass step out of heaven. So now we're this glowing orb persona. We, we've, we've taken a step into duality. Mm-hmm. But we have no experience. We have no desires. We have no karma. We can't speak of anything relationally because we have had no relationship. And then let's go outside and go to the nearest street corner and find some, some vet panhandling because they have PTSD. Who's the more, more powerful soul? Well, it's the vet. He's yeah. been through eons of time of, of, of karmic loading up, of karmic suffering. He can tell you about all, as, all kinds of aspects of human consciousness. The human beings walking around on this planet, we're very, very, we are very powerful souls. And and to see ourselves as some kind of victim or see ourselves as like, well, all the big ass beings look down on us and shake their <laughs> head and go, whoa, brother, you know, look at them. Not at all. They're looking at us going, damn, you guys are brave. What the hell? So I suggest that human beings on this planet at this time are playing out one of the most powerful paradigms like I said, in probably the whole flipping galaxy. This is a very advanced classroom for very old souls to come to learn how to embody unconditional love in the darkest of the dark. How powerful is that? Oh, it's it's amazing. And <clears throat> I think there are happily more and more people who are waking up to the fact that, that, that what you're saying is absolutely true and, and and now you have people who are saying, you know, okay, don't do it for me, but give me the tools. What kind of cool? What kind of tools can you share with them that helps them to do this work? Well, I wrote books for all this. Yes, <laughs> I wrote a book called Personal Power Fundamentals. It's an ebook on NewHumanLiving.com, and that talks about the mechanics of how do we take on karma what karma is, how do we, how to resolve karma in our persona. I wrote Citizen King, The New Age of Power, to teach your ego how delightfully delicious it is to step aside and let your soul drive the flipping car. Yeah. And then teach your ego to understand the, the, the dominion that you have over yourself. As source consciousness, there is no consciousness that is to have dominion over you, you have dominion over yourself. And then the sovereignty of, the, of your life purpose. Many people are here to change huge dynamics, to change the structure of academics, to change the stru- structure of economics, to change the structure of religious context. That's an extremely powerful paradigm. And I tell you what, if their ego cannot see themselves playing that out it's not going to happen yeah yeah the 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 reality of what is possible here is amazing and and you know i i step back every now and then i look and i it's it's like you know there's so much i call it magic there's so much magic here there's so much vibrancy there's so there's so much light on this planet that people are not seeing and using and and embracing that that you know there's there's sadness in in some way that that but but at the same time everybody is in charge of their own life nobody 
you know, you have to take responsibility. And if you don't take responsibility, then you're stuck. Sure. Well, the joy can be experienced every step of the way. So imagine a, 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 single, a single mother with kids that's homeless, that's been living in flipping shelters. And, and she's gone through the school of hard knocks over and over and over again. And then through, the, through compassion and through um, the love of divinity, she gets a place of her own. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care if it's a beat up apartment. She can walk through a door and close it and lock it and have a sense of safety. What kind of joy is going through her at such a simple step of survival? So when we decide to go this far into darkness, we have nothing but wave after wave in our in the escrow of our soul, if you will. Uh-huh. The, the journey the ego experiences as it rediscovers the truth is loaded to the hilt of marvel and fascinating and wonderful um, rediscovery of the, of the power of love, the power of unconditional love. And if that's not the most exciting storyline ever. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, the spirit has to have a physical form in order to experience this and in order to go through this process. Sure. Because if pure spirit is pure spirit is not in need of being cleaned. So... So the choice of coming down, I mean, you had a beautiful analogy about how um, I, I, I believe you, you said that, that life was like a classroom and that, that when somebody um, achieved this level of consciousness, they sort of graduated and everybody else put their pencils down and decided to worship that person instead right. of seeking it in themselves. Sure, yes. I, I know the context you're speaking of. It's, it's a beautiful analogy. And that, and that suddenly it makes people like Jesus and Buddha and, and all of the other great, you know, uh, Enoch and Ezekiel. I mean, you, you just, it's a huge list. Sure. But, but when you look at them, instead of, of going, oh, my God, you know, I can't, you know, I can't walk the same path. I can't touch the, their, their clothes or whatever. It's, it's like, instead, it should be, I want to get me one of them. And <laughs> yeah, I, I think what you're talking about is um, I use the reference of we're in a classroom and we're studying to, to learn our divinity, to master um, the power of our own consciousness. And Jesus, being the rock star that he is, is the first one done. He walks over the front of the room and the teacher gives him an A. We all put our pencils down and start worshiping him as some flipping uh, exception to the rule. We quit studying per se. We quit really doing the deep inner work, which is how you graduate. And we've formed a whole flipping religion around how many people on the planet are waiting for him to come back. Now, I want to be very, very clear. He is an extremely powerful persona, but he's not here to save us by wiping our karma away. No. It was never intended to be that way. If he comes back... We're, the, our conundrum's not going to change until we ourselves change. Yes. And I think what, what gets to me is, you know, you know, people kind of look at me like I'm, I'm um, 
anti-religion. I'm not. I, I, I think that there's good history there. I think there's good material there. I think that in, in many ways, a lot of the lessons there are really good, but, but it doesn't apply to everybody. I mean, there are many different religions out there, and all of them have very valuable and, and amazing things in them. The, the fundamental basis foundation of just, a, just about every religion out there is the golden rule. If, if, you, if, if you live by that, you've got it. But, but I, I think the thing that, that, that some people need religion, and if they need religion, then it's a good thing and they should have it. But religion is not needed to get to this level of consciousness. Religion's just another um, classroom Mm -hmm. to understand our relationship with divinity. So there's a homeless person and they're struggling with the essence of living, the permission perhaps to exist on the planet. Well, that's a lesson in and of itself. Religion, now we're using a very vague term here. Religion could mean all kinds of things, but in a general sense, religion in on this planet typically portrays a God outside of us and that we worship this God outside of us. And maybe just maybe on judgment day, he'll be in a good mood and we won't spend eternity in, in damnation. That's exactly an identical classroom. Religion in and of itself is not good or bad. None of creation is neither good or bad. It's, both the light and the shadow are the dance of love, which is mm-hmm. what Rumi said. So religion's not a scoundrel or a bad person, a, a bad institution, any more than prostitution or war or any other form of, of disconnection from truth. It's there. Millions of us chose to engage religion as a, a vehicle to learn about our own divinity by separating ourselves. You know, when I look at my, my family dynamics in my family household, Oh my God, God was huge. My dad had this religious, um, uh, what do you call it? A streak in him. He made most priests and prophets and bishops look like scallywags because he'd (laughs) tear up and he'd, Oh my God. uh, He made, religion, this thing where it had to overwhelm you over and over and over again. And so he, he would be overwhelmed. Now, I don't, he's a World War II vet. And so what the hell happens when you go to slaughter other human beings? Oh, yeah. He probably, he probably clinged to religion there as a survival tactic. I'm mm-hmm. not here to judge why, but, but as kids, we were invisible as far as uh, existence compared to this God persona, because he'd talk about God and he'd tear up and wail and cry and preach and all that crap. And then he talks about his kids. And it's like, yeah, you got your homework done. I mean, we didn't, we couldn't compare to this uh, imaginary etherical God. And so I was raised in a household where everything was an illusion. Everything was a non-truth. And I grew up the last, the last of seven kids, and I think that was a real gift because after six, the parents are like, good crud, what were we thinking? <laughs> and so I had immense freedom. 
Mm-hmm. I remember my folks would say, does anybody see less? So if any of my siblings saw me, I could be out in the back stacking up all kinds of mischief. As long as they saw me, I'm we're good. So I had no discipline per se, and I could think whatever I wanted to think. I could do whatever I wanted to do, and that freedom gave me the freedom of thinking to analyze everything that came before me. And, the, and I, I consider that some of the value in my books is, is that free thinking, analytical observation of the mechanics of our culture up to this time. Yeah, it is amazing. I mean, we have um, for thousands of years, you know, there has always been a mythology of some sort that, that we have followed as opposed to looking within ourselves. Sure. And, and so we come to this point in time in our reality where people, I mean, I mean is there a God? Of course there is. But, but what is our part in this whole um, amazing diorama that we have before us? And it's not to be controlled. It's a matter of taking control. And how does one switch their consciousness from from you know feeling that there is someone over us to being the one that is not over other people but that is in control of ourselves well, that's a great question it's it to how do maybe another way to ask it is how do we unravel ourselves back to the truth how yeah. do we how do we discharge all the imprinting all the compression of consciousness in our psyche how do we um, return to that purity. Um, I, I like the saying, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And um, uh, to rephrase that, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see the mechanics of consciousness. Ah. <laughs> okay, so, so going from that statement, how does one become pure? Practice. It took you eons of time. How many lifetimes, how many hundreds or thousands of lifetimes did it take you to accumulate? In uh, Personal Power Fundamentals, I talk about um, karma and what we've pushed into our subconscious. And you know, it's, I, can under, I can really see why it's been so elusive in that if if the listener just sits there right now and says, well, how do I feel? How do I feel? I feel pretty, quote, normal, unquote. I feel, uh-huh. This is how I felt yesterday. This is how I felt the day before. And so where is this? Just like that anger I released that day in the psychiatrist's office, I had no idea that I had this compression, this this high-pressure tank of anger in my psyche and I had attracted to me angry bosses. Uh, the law of attraction had brought to me um, the appropriate teachers, uh, angels, really. That angry boss was an angel, was a gift, uh, was a very powerful soul contract for myself. So how do you do, how do you unravel it? Well, I suggest to you, um, let's, let's daydream a scenario up. So... You you go out and you roll you strip down your birthday suit and you roll in the mud and then you put on you put on clothes a layer of clothes and roll roll in the mud so now you're pretty muddy 
Mm-hmm. Well, go find the next size up a clothes and put another layer of clothes on and roll in the mud again. And then go put another size up, get an, the next bigger size and put that on and roll in the mud again. Do that about 45 or 50 or 100 times and then lay down on your back and let all that mud dry in the sun. Well, you're going to weigh a couple of hundred pounds. Easy. You won't, you won't be able to even stand up. So you're laying there in the mud and you're looking up at the sky and you're going, wow, it's really effortless to just lay here. If I don't try anything, it feels pretty normal. But you've got all this mud, you've got all this karmic burden, this karmic um, imprinting loaded up in your psyche. Just because it feels normal doesn't mean there's a lot there. Um, when I first started uh, working with energy with my body, it felt like a 50-pound sack of potatoes. I had no notion of, of I couldn't discern my stomach. I, I mean, if I, if I took my consciousness and went inside my abdomen, I couldn't discern one thing from another. It all just felt like density. I had no resolution to my consciousness. And, and that's kind of like laying in the mud. You can, it's like, how many layers do I have? I don't know, a lot, you know. And, and w- when it's in your subconscious, it can seem etherical to work with. But mm-hmm. um, there's a few things you can do. Karma exists as um, mental um, karma, emotional karma, and spiritual karma in a general sense. If we look at emotional karma, in my family dynamic, my my World War II vet dad would cut us in half with anger. He didn't have to touch us. His eyes would just burn a hole right through you. If he got mad, you couldn't make yourself small enough. As a young child, when I saw fear on my mom's eyes because of the vibration in the room of anger, I quickly decided I don't want to be the source of that pain on my mother's face I can't allow myself to show anger. And at a very young age, maybe even in the womb, I put in a mechanism that said, if that ang- if that vibration comes up in me, I want to push it down because I don't want to be the imprint. I don't want to be the source of suffering of any of my family members. So the subconscious accumulation, a hopper, if you will. So the next day, my brother tears down the Marie Osmond poster in my bedroom. Now, that's a joke. It, I never had a Marie Osmond poster. But instead <laughs> of getting mad, I wouldn't allow myself to get mad. I would get sad. I, I, th- I had an anger component, mm-hmm. but it never came to the surface. And so the, the, the volume of anger from that episode was compressed and pushed into my subconscious and that tank of anger was slowly getting charged as time went by so so my boss for a decade would belittle me he was he's a very malicious person and i'd go in to work and he'd sit there and fold me over myself and i would i would shove it down because i couldn't get mad at him because and my ego was scared to death of anger my ego was petrified of the idea of what might happen if I allowed myself to get angry. And I can't, 
all this was happening without my conscious mind being aware of it. Oh, yeah. Um, mental karma, meditation. Oh, my God, meditation. I suggest no thought meditation. All my Kool-Aid is oriented around you becoming pure. Purity. Now, how do I know about purity? How did I get a million watts to go through that transmitter and not fry its ass? Purity. I, we had to tune the frequencies and the filters to very exact specifications. And when we did that gracefully, th that immense amount of power could gracefully move through the transmitter out the antenna and everybody could see the picture. But if I detuned it, if I went and, and, and dishonored the, the, the rules, if you will, that power would destroy the transmitter. Uh -huh. So um, to purify your persona is to return to your source consciousness, is to raise the power of who you are as an individual. Unconditional love has no bias or posture at all. So to embody it, you have to release your posture, your bias, your emotional stigmas to purify your consciousness, to purify your personal energy persona. That's a task. It can be a, it can be a joyful thing. It can be a habit. Well, yeah, and it's, it's a matter of, like I said earlier, deprogramming yourself and then reprogramming yourself with different paradigms. I don't even, I'm not sure you even need programming of any sort. Um, the burning bush said, I am that I am. There was no, there was no projection of anything there. It was just like everything is, the Bhagavad Gita says, as it is, voila, there it is, voila. <laughs> And so if if you start to put context to it, you're going to bugger it up, even though you think the context is good. Well, this is righteous. Oh, this is desirable. Well, you buggered it up. You're so it's, it's letting go of judgment. It's letting right. go of everything. And Dark ass naked, yep. Living the moment. To see all that is as it is through the eyes of unconditional love. And then you can traverse time and space and not accumulate karma. I, I would think that even Jesus, though, I mean, he had moments. <laughs> Have you been to planet Earth? <laughs> <laughs> he had moments. <laughs> sure. Um, well, that's part of the human experience, I think. I know that. Um, I, I think you've used the, the, the law of attraction a number of times, and, and I find the law of attraction fabulous because, because it always brings to me what I need the most. And, and sure. you, you know, it, it's sort of like when, when conflict and issues appear, it's like, oh, boy, here's another lesson, you know? Yes, lesson, beautiful and and it's kind of like okay what what am i going to learn from this because this is this is phenomenal and and you know there have been times in my life where i've been just um so full of of fear and and sadness that that you know it it was 
impossible to to look upon something as a lesson. I mean, there there were times a long time ago where I can remember sitting and crying and saying, I know there's a lesson here, but this just sucks. Can't you just tell me what the lesson is? You know, do I, <laughs> I come on. Right, right. Yeah, you bet. And, and and it's so it's a matter of you know you cry the tears out and you you sit up and you you take a deep breath and it's like oh, okay now how do I deal with this how do I make this work so that I survive and and I have to admit that over the decades when issues arrive it it now is like huh okay this is going to be interesting let's see where this takes us instead of oh my god what's happening you know right yeah. Uh, but but you know and but but still and all you know it, it's in human form and all of that and it, you still get caught every now and then, but but it's it's always a lesson. There's always something magical and wonderful and and pure in it. And you know, I I tell people you know I can share my truth with you, but my truth is my truth for now. I, I I'm going to evolve hopefully and grow, and my truth may change. So somebody said, what do your followers think of you? And I, I looked at the, this person and I said, I'm horrified to think anybody's following me because I don't know where I'm going. It, it, no savior, no mystic will uh, give you your divinity. You're already it. Yeah. You know, you're already enlightened. Everybody is already enlightened. It's a discovery. It's not a creation. So it's taking layer after layer after layer of karma off and allowing us to be more light in spirit and to be able to manifest that light that is within, within our reality. Sure. It's easy to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, a lot of, uh, I, I think humanity can kind of get stuck in the observation of the dogma where we, we're, we're, we're trying to become conscious and we're watching our life and we're watching what other people are doing and we're trying to wrap some context around it. And that's all fine and good. And, but to, to, to make some traction, in other words, to actually meditate, to actually consciously scan your body to release unresolved emotions, to actually do the work. Uh -huh. When you do that, a couple of things happen. It's like when, uh, when that anger first flashed in that moment through my body, here comes this immense anger coming through my persona. My ego had 0, 0.0 seconds experience with anger. And, and so that in that first moment, I, I had no information to put context around anger. But by going through the process of feeling it, I had an opportunity to, to feel it. And now I have information. So mm -hmm. when I go back to the well and, and connect with more anger in my psyche and release it, I'm giving myself an opportunity to become intuitive about anger. Now, I'll never have that opportunity if I don't actually do the practice and get some movement going. Mm -hmm. So to it's, it's like reading a book about exercise to get fit. 
At some <laughs> point, you got to put the flipping book down and actually go exercise. Well, yeah, it's a matter of you can have the knowledge, you can have the wisdom, you can have the intellect, but if you're not actually living it and manifesting it, it doesn't do you any good. If you're not cleansing your psyche, you're not making any ground. If you don't change the energetic composition of your personal energy persona, um, chances are slim to none that the law of attraction is going to bring you anything different. Yeah. It, you got to, you got to, what I really like about um, what I teach is how pure it is. I talk about energy. I talk about archetypes. No, I don't. I talk about energy. I talk about emotions. No, I don't. I talk about energy. I talk about mental stigma. No, I don't. I talk about energy. And to keep to keep such an indifferent frame of reference to it all, because karma is really a very impersonal thing, very much like gravity. Mm -hmm. Karma is very impersonal. By keeping my, the language of my writing as an energetic perspective, it disconnects from the stigmas that we have. You know, how many wars have been fought over this, this symbol, this phrase, this word called God? Lot. There's so much stigma to the word God. If you want to... Uh, accelerate your relationship change the symbol so so you've been worshiping god well give it a new name source consciousness okay source consciousness tell me what to do you've changed the symbol so you've instantly dropped the stigma of the symbol of god mm -hmm. you haven't used the symbol source consciousness per perhaps i'm assuming and so now you have a new symbol that doesn't have a stigma associated with it. Absolutely, yeah. You see how the, how you can kind of break some real deep patterns rather quickly if you just take one step to the left or one step to the right. Yeah, a, a number of years ago, I start I stopped using the term God, and I said this is too limiting. So I went to source of creation or, you know, universal consciousness or, you know, whole bunches of other terms. But to me, God kept it in such a tight little ball that there was no way to, in many ways, there was no way to get into it or to have it come out and, and be a, a part of my life. Well, I mean, in a past life, if you were to be... Um, praying to God to show you your truth and, and you found some truth and you were a healer and they called you a witch and burned you at the stake. Well, by worshiping God, God, you had your ass fried. Yeah. And, and so that's still in your psyche unless you've resolved it. And so when you use the word God in this lifetime, it doesn't matter what experience you have or have not had with the word God. In your psyche, there's a stigma with the word God. Mm -hmm. Well, and and that's the case with everybody, and and or 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 Yahweh, or whatever you want to call it. Um, it you know, like I said, we we are we are held back by our past, and it, it's keeping us in the present, and not not helping us to move into a future that has greater truth, greater awareness, greater purity, greater everything. And that connection with the intuition, that connection with the intuition in many ways for me 
is that bridge from from the, the the one level of consciousness to the other level of consciousness and and it's through the intuition that we get you know little hints of what is there the potential that is there and ways to utilize to get there and we get it in dream state we get it in in all sorts of different forms and I, I would say that most people are getting messages. They just don't see it or feel it or hear it. Sure. There's, there's an ocean of personas that have immense love for us, our angels, archangels. There's so many deities that are in love with us, and they're with unconditional love to, to help us in any way, shape, or form that we allow because it's it's a hands off policy until we ask for it. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to learn how to to work with those um, uh, personas is is a very powerful thing. It it well, it's like the mechanism of prayer. Clearly, clearly, billions of prayers have been said to end suffering on the planet, and it's quite rampant. So prayer, in and of itself, doesn't do diddly. It doesn't no. do jack. So, but I I don't want to uh, mislead because prayer is a very, 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 very powerful mechanism. But it's the first step of a several-step process. Yeah. When you pray, you get an energetic vibration as the answer. So you say, um, I pray to God, I, I want to have more loving relationships in my day-to-day experience. And so everything incongruent with love in your persona will come up to the surface. If you're holding bitterness, if you're holding anger or judgment, the things that are impeding you from being a, a better vessel of love will be shown to you. But if you're just praying and then sitting on your hands, <laughs> go go piss in the wind. I mean, nothing's going to happen because prayer in and of itself is only a request for information, is a request for guidance. And whether we choose to respond to that is up to us. So prayer in and of itself has, um, it's not, this uh intended to be the the magic pill that that solves anything because clearly we've prayed millions and billions of times and look at the quagmire we're in. <laughs> yeah well i think one of the the tools and we've talked of meditation and that certainly is is a great tool and meditation there are as many different ways of meditating as there are people on this planet, and maybe even sure. more. Yep. Uh, so everybody needs to find what fits them, what what gets them to the alpha theta, if you want. I mean, it, it gets them to that point where they can be receptive and and connect to the to the spirit within. One of the other things that that I tell people is is to to be creative. You know, for the for the sheer joy of creation, whether it's gardening or writing or painting or drawing or or taking motors apart and putting them back together, a way in which again you get to that that meditative point, doing something of a creative nature 
being one with creation, becoming a creator that puts you in a place where you can listen to that aspect within you. Sure, you bet. Well, the to, to create, the action of creation is what grounds the inspiration in the form. Yes. So, so you can think of it as the feminine and the masculine. So the feminine is all that is, is the infinite unknown. Everything in my unknowing mind is the feminine, which is profound and extreme. Everything I don't know is very profound and extreme. And, and by, by the very nature, the feminine is without form. Masculine is the form. So <laughs> I have this image of Divine Mother and Divine Father laying in bed having a smoke after the best whoopee they've had in a long time. And they're like, damn, that was, that was something else. What else is possible? And, and then uh, Divine Mother has this glimmer in her eye, this, this dream, this vision of all that is, of all the galaxies in the sky and smiles and hands it to the divine father and he casts it in the form mm -hmm. that's the the process of all of creation when you become powerful your soul will through your pineal gland give you an inspiration of the moment and when your persona is pure there's no other energy contrary as the the image, the holographic energetic image is shown to the quantum mirror and the quantum mirror has no bias and it instantly reflects that back to you. To, to have karma in your persona, if, if you're an old timer and remember the, the old film projectors, you put a film on and you put the film in the gate, you put it in the projector and it casts the image up on the screen. Mm -hmm. Well, you can think of your karma as not only one film in the projector, but about 10,000 films in the projector. And you look at the screen and it looks like a bunch of muddled crap because all the images are overlaid upon each other. So when we load our, our subconscious up with unexpressed consciousness, our karma, we're, we're, we have these standing ways of energy that we show the quantum field. So that anger that I had in my persona was part of every single moment of me expressing through the quantum field. So how can I, how can I create with any kind of accuracy if I have all this unresolved energy broadcasting simultaneously with my conscious desire of the moment? In other words, if I, if I'm trying to, project onto the screen a very clear image of what I want my life to be, but I've got all these other films loaded up from my past, I can't accurately define anything on the screen because my past is showing up in the present over and over and over again. But if I can clear out the film, the karmic imprinting from the past and purify, blessed are the pure in heart, if I can purify my persona where there's no energy contrary, then the quantum field has no choice but to show it exactly what I give it. So you have, in general, say, say you do have karma of some form and, and you see it, 
Okay, so now I want to purify it. Is it a matter of just loving it, accepting it, letting it go? How does one purify karma when you, when you, have, when you have actually identified it? For instance, in relationships, sometimes a past relationship will, will sort of reflect onto a current relationship and you'll have red flags from two different sources instead of just the one you should be dealing with. So that, so that how do you then let go of or cleanse that previous relationship? Is it a matter of loving it, of, of letting go of it? How, how, how does one do that? Sure, I like that. Great question. So let's keep it in the context that you brought it in, uh, relationships. Okay. So, so I'm in a relationship with uh, my spouse, my beloved, and, we, and each person brings their own karmic momentum, their own um, um, issues, if you will, with them. And then after the infatuation, the honeymoon period is over and, and now the time's moving on, maybe a few events come through the hopper and um, some turmoil stirs up both personas, the, the emotional, the, the subconscious emotional uh, imprinting gets stirred up and uh, in an unconscious relationship, that's where the, the blaming and the bickering and all that crap starts up. But if you're going to be conscious about it, think of the emotions that you feel as a personal thing. Think of the feelings that you're feeling as an inside job because they are. When you feel emotions, as you come into an experience, you're you're projecting yourself with your beliefs and then your emotions are a feedback mechanism to show you how you see yourself with the environment, in this case, a relationship. So say, for example, you have low self-esteem and it's important for your partner to be nothing but a 24-7 cheerleader for you because your self-worth is dragging it's Fanny, and and you have this expectation of a, a a loving spouse, and and in your belief system, a relationship should be unconditional support. Well, that's not going to happen with anybody on the planet. Nobody plays a single archetype over and over for the end of time. Um, we all have our own stuff. So so as you come into conflict or upset or uh, abrasion, if you will, own how you feel and disown, in a sense, how the other person feels. Now, that can take some effort <laughs> because, um, like, I'll, I'll hear about um, young kids who are engaged and they're like, well, they make me feel so happy. And I just stop and I pound my head on the wall. And I said, yeah. if they're responsible for your happiness, well, let me introduce you to your first train wreck. Yeah. So, so the bottom line is when you um, pay attention to how you feel, pay attention to how you feel as you go through your days. So you you walk into the kitchen and there's your spouse 
and there's the the bills on the counter or the half-empty bottle of whiskey or whatever the emotional trigger is. And you walk into the room and your energy shifts. There you go, that shift, boom, right there, boom. Recognize the feeling shifting and look at it in an impersonal way because it's not personal. So you have a, a, a ache in your gut or you have a... Um, whatever the feeling that comes up that is triggered in that moment, learn how to be comfortable feeling uncomfortable. Because what will happen is when, when that gets triggered and the uncomfortable feeling comes up, a lot of times the ego will say, I don't like to feel this way and shove it back down. And I promise you the next time it comes up, it'll have more energy to it. Because when you shoved it down, you compressed the energy of the moment with the feeling of the past and it just got bigger. But if when, when you, the trigger happens and the feeling comes up and you just stay indifferent to it and there's a feeling and boy, I feel like crap. Oh, I don't like this feeling. Stay in the feeling and avoid the reaction to suppress it. And what you're doing in that moment is you're, you're spending some time with the feeling so you can start to get intuitive. You're spending some time with the feeling so you can develop a new relationship with it. You're spending some time with the feeling so you can start to look at it in a rational way and say, why do I feel this way? That kind of experience over time will allow you to not avoid your feelings. The, the, the pathway to really powerful embodiment of your divinity is to own all of your feelings real time as they happen because that's the only way you can uh, traverse time and space without accumulating karma anything i suppress will come back later that's the nature of karma oh yeah yeah i mean it's when people say to me you know i'm i'm in this cycle and i don't know how to break it and you know, I'll say, well, what is the cycle? Well, I attract the same sort of person every time and they're losers and I deserve better. And, you know, I hit my head against a wall. You know, if, if, if you believe you're attracting losers, then yes, you will attract losers. So it's work on yourself here. When you stay in the feeling, you give the opportunity for the energy that was upset. Mm-hmm. And that's a gift because the moment before it was unconscious or subconscious. And then whatever upsets anything in you is a hooray, a hurrah, a gift because the subconscious becomes conscious when you get upset. Just be with the feeling of it. And in that moment, you're literally dissipating it out of your psyche. Ah, that's what I wanted you to say. Okay. So, so being in it helps you to dissipate it. And, and when you start to dissipate it, while you're dissipating it, you can look at it and you can get an idea of volume. For example, um, the anger that I had. So I had no clue that I had anger in my psyche. And then I dissipate a few, you know, 500,000 million watts of it. <laughs> and, uh, and it startled me, but I learned pretty quickly that while 
you're discharging the emotion while it's in motion, while you're releasing it, you can kind of look. It's like a window opens up and as it's moving out of you, you can look into your subconscious and see how much is there. And then what happens is really cool because the first time I released it, it was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> I was all reactive. The second time I released it, it's like, oh, here it is again. But the fourth or fifth time, it's like, okay, here it is. Let's ramp it up and let go of a lot. And I could discharge a lot more in a single episode because I was no longer scared of it. I had an intuitive understanding with it. I understand. I understood the mechanics of releasing it as a vehicle to move towards health and wholeness and balance. So I wanted to release it. So I had a whole different experience with the release process and I could make much more traction in a single episode than that first time when I was um, very intimidated by it. And, and the decades before that, I was scared to death of anger <laughs> and I never knew it. That's wild. It is. But, you know, it's really, I, I, so many people have these situations and, they, they will immediately say to the other person, if, if there's another person involved, we need to talk. Yeah. And, and You're making me feel this way. It's yeah. your fault. When I'm in your presence, I feel like crap. And you should be saying, when I'm in your presence, I feel like crap. Hooray! I feel like crap. I have found crap in my psyche. I have an opportunity to release crap, and I won't be as full of crap when I'm done. Yeah. Pardon the pun. Oh, sure. No, but but it's it's true. And and it's it's... So many people, you know, when there is conflict and everything, is, it's, again, this let's work it out together. This is our issue. No, it's personal on both people's sides. And it may have different aspects, concepts, uh, you know, things in their psyche that they need to work. You know, it brought them to a point of explosion, but for different reasons. Sure. Well, what if, what if, you know, we were just talking about, well, you make me feel like crap, therefore I'm going to leave you and go find somebody who doesn't make me feel like crap. Well, if you're full of crap, whoever you run into is going to make you feel like crap at one point or another. Absolutely. And so, so if you're living with somebody that pushes your buttons, don't leave. You might see him as a tyrant, scoundrel, you know, bullheaded butt don't leave the situation because it's an opportunity to heal yourself. Oh yeah. And for growth. And that's, you know, I, um, I like people who challenge me because it means I grow. Well, and, good. and you know, that's, I mean, I don't, I don't go for abuse, but, but, <laughs> but it's, but. you know, intellectually, I love it when, when I can talk with someone and learn more about myself where, sure. you know, so, so the same thing would apply on, on uh, that's just intellectual, but on, on the physical and on the spiritual level, same thing. It's, you know, if, if somebody was just like me, it would be boring. Sure. So well, consciousness has an, an, an infinite realm of creation. So wherever you're sitting or standing right now, wherever you are right now in this moment, Imagine poof, 
Jesus appears next to you. Poof, there's Jesus. Okay, now Jesus is standing right next to you wherever you are. Doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter where you are. There's Jesus. And Jesus goes, here, hold my beer. Check this out. Poof, and he, and he manifests a, <laughs> a, a bucket of fish. And, and you're like, damn, that looks pretty. That's cool. impressive. So what I'm, the point I'm getting at is the field of miracles is right now, right here, right now. The potential to manifest miracles exists in all moments, in all spaces, in all dimensions, because all that is is source consciousness. So, so when we look at um, cleansing our karma and healing ourselves and on this planet, the spiritual journey can can take uh, a while to to get our bearings with, but at the same time we can we can daydream an understanding of what infinite potential means. It, it, in other words, if you're only working on your issues, and that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And, and you're moving to a place of being healed, and that's not a bad thing. And then once you're healed, you start working on, it's like a teeter-totter. Once you're healed, then you start working on being a mystic or an alchemist or a sage or a savior. You can work on both at the same time. Oh, yeah. For you to daydream about the power of manifestation helps you heal your relationship with who you think you are. So yes, do your emotional cleansing work. Yes, do your mental work and your spiritual persona work. But at the same time, take your imagination out and shake it in the breeze and, and, and feed it nourishing um, creative input. Buy some paint and throw the paintbrush away and paint with your fingers. Go stomp in a mud puddle. Um, um, in other words, approach your divinity from more than one intention, if you will, because we're we're very much multi-dimensional beings, mm-hmm. and it's going to take a lot of stretching for our Western minds to really be able to embody the totality of what we can achieve as um, source consciousness incarnate. Oh yeah. And, and I would, I would suggest that we have the element of miracles, not only possible within us, but we experience them every day in, in elements like, like, um, coincidences because i don't believe there's such a thing as coincidences i do believe that's that's spirit inside of us saying see you can make this happen see yeah and 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 if people write it down and and record it and keep track of it in some way that reinforces it and 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 it happens more and more frequently it's a simple procedure and those people that have done it come back with their eyes wide open like oh my goodness you know they just keep getting more and more and more frequent the more sensitive i am to my reality the more sensitive sensitive to i you know that i am to those things that i'm i'm thinking and working on and and you know on a spiritual level sort of working towards that that i get inspiration that i get greater insight that I, it it 
we have the, the proof that this happens within our reality. It's only a matter of taking it as a hint that there's so much more we can do if we reach further. Sure. And without end. There is no end to it ever, ever, ever. Yeah, no, it is exciting. It is, and and, and it, it, well, you know, it, it's so exciting. I get so, you know, I'll never, I will not sleep tonight. But you, you get, you get high on the prospect of of the information of it going out there and it touching people and other people understanding it and taking and working with it, however little or however much they do you know that, that the words will find the, the place where they belong and they will touch the ears and the consciousnesses that are out there. And if, if, if nothing else, if it makes them curious to try, you know, that's a cool thing. Sure. You bet. It's like flexing a muscle. The more you do it, the more the muscle is responsive. So, so you're, we're creating... <clears throat> excuse me, we're creating all the time, 24-7. We've been creators in every moment of all of time, but to become conscious about it. And and like I was saying, the, the law of attraction, all the unresolved um, energy in my subconscious is attracting to me experiences. That unresolved anger brought to me an, an angry boss. So I can be working with the law of manifestation and I'm practicing the law of manifestation as I go through my day. And that's very cool. That's very cool. Bravo. But if I'm not also cleansing out my subconscious, I'm still attracting to me these elements of the, of the vibrational equivalence of the karmic classes I've taken in the past, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you, you know, People, people talk about their purpose each lifetime, and, and I keep saying your purpose is to grow and expand and, and to understand yourself more. And it's like, no, no, I, I have to get a job, I have to get a house, I have to retire, I have to pay children's education. And yes, all of that is important too. Survival is absolutely important. But, but there's more to life than that. The purpose of life on this planet was was not to just survive for a certain number of years and then die and then come back again. There there has to be a better reason for us being down here than just surviving. Oh, no question. But the um our our potential and and I I suggest I go back to that notion that we're living the most in the most advanced classroom perhaps in the galaxy. We're we're incarnate in this um very heavy uh um karmic tsunami if you will. And if we're if our sense of identity is in our ego and we take everything personally well, then we can be upset quite a bit of time, quite a bit of, of our life. We can spend um, reacting to the, the lessons, the teachers, our, um, our karmic uh, energies attracting to us. But if we, if we take a step back and we look at our life from the perspective of a soul, and we said, well, we're going to incarnate on this planet and 
for the first few decades, um, for most of us, we're going we're gonna to move out of our hearts, we're going to move up into our minds, and we're going to run 80, 90 to 100% of our consciousness out of our egos. So if you, if you look at a lot of the egos on the planet, 100% of their time is consumed by their phones, social media, worry, fret, anxiety, blah, blah, blah. And, and the inspiration of their heart and their soul really takes a back seat. And so if, if you look at a span of time, maybe a month, maybe six months, um, those type of people will get inspiration that actually lands in their um, consciousness just a few times. It's like throwing socks into a spinning ceiling fan. Nothing sticks. <laughs> what's what's going to happen is, um, like, you want to kick your own butt, pray pray to God and say, jeepers, um, show me how I can be a, an even bigger vehicle of compassion for humanity. And then your your mind will be busy doing something else. You're unloading the groceries from the car. You're doing the dishes. And a single sentence will pop in your head. Um, go back to school. Okay. Start, start writing that screenplay. Why don't you write a book? And I tell you what, stop in the moment that you recognize that's a sentence that didn't come from your ego. Stop and write it down. Write it down on paper. Yeah. Be, because if you don't write it down, what will happen is, so you're washing the dishes and the, and like for myself, writing books, I'm washing the dishes as as an example, and and my my heart says, "Why don't you write a book?" And typically, what we do is the very next sentence, we bring it up into our head and we bitch slap it with all this critical thinking. Who the hell am I to write a book? I don't know squat about grammar. I'm from a small town in Utah. Who wants to know what I got to say? And and so our ego rationalizes the crap out of this this inspiration from our heart. Well, newsflash, if it came from our heart, our ego is not qualified to validate it. Yeah. So w- when you when you get that sentence, when you write it down, now it has permanence. Mm-hmm. Sure, your ego will go and and wrestle with it, but. Later on, you'll look at that paper and you'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, write a book. And it reintroduces the inspiration of your heart and your soul over time. Go buy some Post-it notes and put some by the bed, some in the car, some in the kitchen, and start capturing those single sentences. And then over a few months' time, you're going to start to see a theme show up. Oh, Sure. And that's your heart and your soul giving you inspiration about how to move into a more congruent path, how to bring your ego into a more congruent step with your heart and your soul. And if you want to live in synchronicity and joy, teach your ego the value, the power, the excitement, the adventure that will happen if you actually allow your heart and your soul to guide you not once or twice every month, but 25 times a day. 
they can, your heart and your soul can guide you through your whole flipping life if you teach your ego the value of it. Oh, absolutely. And those those inspirational moments. I, I tell people to to keep a, a, a gratitude journal and, and it's okay to put inspiration, coincidences and good recipes in it. It's, it's kind of like keep a journal, keep, keep track of the messages that are coming through you because they have value, they have validity and we do create our reality by our perception of it. So if you look upon these, these kind of these suggestions as, huh, that came from me. It wasn't solicited, but it came to me. It's a message that there's something here I should, should, could, would explore. And if I did, it would make life better. And it, in, in my experience, it always has made life better. Challenging, yes, but, but better, absolutely. A, a deep sense of joy, I would say, is a result. Um, now that I've written uh, se- several books, I feel wonderful as an author. And when I first had the notion of being an author, I cringed. And now I, it brings me great joy to write books. Oh, yeah. And it's amazing if you follow through with this stuff how, how there is a sense of joy. I, every now and then if I'm out with a group of friends to dinner, I will order dinner backwards. And, you know, people just look at me and it's like, have you never done this? And, and, and you, you, go, you go dessert to the main course, to the salad, to the appetizer. And then if you're lucky, you have room for another dessert. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know, they, they, for the most part, my friends will, you know, are, are used enough to me being slightly weird that you do it and you find that that, that moment that meal is full of such laughter such joy such it, it's 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 life is fun it is and and to not do spontaneous things to not let spontaneity be there for you to give you a greater richness in your life is a sad thing and and you know it's it's you don't plan it you do it when it feels right when you're inspired and that inspiration comes from a special place inside of you it isn't it isn't some part of you saying you know how can i make her make a greater fool of herself than she's already doing it's it's you know try this it might be fun well sure well um in forgiven sinner i point out that your life purpose is your piece of the of the big puzzle Uh in other words if you fulfill your life purpose and I fulfill my life purpose and and on and on and on through humanity, we would we would turn over this uh, this karmic tsunami and we'd have heaven on earth in a in a generation or two. In other words, your life purpose if if we go up in consciousness and look at everybody on the planet as souls mm-hmm. we're an ocean of souls and and our souls are looking at the human dynamic and saying okay we've done this suffering and pain crap for a couple of eons now it's time to head back to light back to truth back to heaven so the <clears throat> the souls choose life purposes for everybody 
that if they were to be fulfilled, the, the human dynamic would turn over rather quickly. In other words, your life purpose is the best seat in the house for you to fulfill. When you honor and follow and fulfill your life purpose, you'll feel a joy, a sense of wonder, a sense of splendor in your ego as you walk in this karmic storm. How many people would love that? Most people are wringing their hands with fret and anxiety and fear. Your life purpose is the doorway to your own nirvana, to your own life nirvana for the entire journey of why you're here. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's important, too, for people to understand that you don't worry about the other guy. You know, it's... That's not your business. Yeah. And and so many... I've heard so many people tell me, well, I'm here to serve humanity, and so I have to teach them how to live and how to do this. And then it's like, well, if you're teaching by example and not words, okay. But if you're on a lecture circuit, possibly not. Um it's it's I, I'm not saying that you you ignore the rest of humanity, but I am saying your purpose, your way of teaching, your way of spreading joy, love, and 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 spirituality, is by being it. Embody it, yes. Yeah, and 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 with that manifestation, people can look at you and say, "Huh." things work for her. I wonder what she's doing. And, and then you can, you know, give them your book. Um, but <clears throat> but it, it is, it's an important thing. Our journey on this planet is for us to evolve and, and take responsibility for it. And it's, it, it's, we are in work and, you know, we are works in progress, obviously. And, and you know, are we going to walk on water this lifetime? I can walk on water. It it does need to be frozen, but I can walk on it. Right. And and you know, can I levitate? Yes, if you scare me enough, I do levitate too. But but the reality is there are so many things that we have ahead of us to learn, to grow into, to embrace, to experience that it's it, it's it's such an amazing ride. I promise you that um uh, souls from other uh, souls that have not come to earth will look in awe of the stories that you will tell of what it was like to incarnate on planet earth. This oh, yeah. is, this is, this is an extreme, an extremely uh, challenging, powerful place. I'm sure many souls said, Oh no, not only no, but hell no, I'm not going down to earth. Look at that place. <laughs> And we chose to show up. It's certainly a challenging place to live. How many people check out, uh, you know, um, because it's so difficult? How many people terminate early because it's such a, a challenge? And it can be a very painful place to live. Yeah, you know, yes, it can. And, you know, I've often wondered that, that you know, life, human life, Homo sapiens here on the planet have been here for thousands and thousands, millions of years, probably. And yet I get a feeling that there have been times in the evolution of our species that we have been closer to the oneness and to the source 
than we are right now. Yeah, I've, um, uh, people channel higher consciousness that talk about the lineage of, of humanity on this planet. And there's the Atlantan, uh, the Atlantis uh, era, there's the Vedic era. The Vedic era had an immense uh, technology and an immense um, uh, wisdom. I don't know what to call it. But what I'm saying is uh, we've been, we've been evolved to uh, levels of consciousness similar to where we are now, Uh but the, the culture collapsed. Now, I don't, I'm kind of stepping out of my own realm, so I reserve the right to be wrong. And I reserve the, be, the right to be wrong with every sentence I say, but um, I've, I've heard that we've tried twice to go deep into the karma and then make it out. And the previous two times we've tried, we failed and it collapsed. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that this time we've crossed the the barrier and that the amount of love on the planet can sustain us. And for the first time in, in the course of humanity, love has overcome the darkness of karma. And right now today, as we speak these years, the, these are the days of the transformation of consciousness at a level that's unheard of really. Mm-hmm. I know it's a struggle to watch the news sometimes, but <laughs> But what yes. we're what we're doing here is a monumental accomplishment from a sea of old souls that came here to learn a very very powerful lesson. Yeah, I I would I would agree. It to me is I I know that we've we we are repeating a cycle, and it does feel as though we have stepped out of a circle. It's more of a spiral. And and hopefully this time, you know, we don't destroy ourselves this right. time. You know, this time we, we make it across that threshold so that so that over the next millennia or so or, or however long it takes, that, that there is a greater sense of caring and loving and compassion on this earth than a, a, a play for power or control. Exactly. So what you just said, what you just said, to take that to heart. So um, your your life path has you learning healing touch or Reiki. Your life path has you teaching a new uh, uh, fiscal or economic um, modality. Your life path has uh, um, quantum mechanics in it. So you can you can kind of poke at it with the stick and and in other words um see yourself as a mere mortal i'm i'm kind of um uh skewing words to get to the point you can see yourself as a human being trying to figure this stuff out or you can take a step back and say oh my god these years th- these years of our human story are when it's very important for us all to show up. Uh-huh. So don't just kind of poke at it with a stick. 
immerse in it, stand up in it and say, this is what I've found in this moment. I might find out new discoveries, but in this moment, this is really a powerful, passionate uh, discovery of that I have. And when you, when you put some power, some zing into what you're doing with intention, because you recognize humanity is here to help humanity overcome humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a much greater effect through a much more focused intention. Well, I think it's, you know, there's a, um, a phrase that, that somebody used. I, I, I think it was a shrink at one point turned and looked at the client and said, you know, there's something wrong here. If I care more about you're getting better than you do. Right. And, and I think that, that my concept Early on was, you know, I had a spirit that had magic attached to it, and I was, I was doing my best as a human in my human consciousness to get to that spirit. My philosophy now is, yes, the humanity in me is trying to make a connection to this spirit, but at the same time, that spirit is trying to make a connection to the humanity in me. So that it is a joint effort of building a bridge that, that both will cross and then integrate into one another. Yeah, indeed. And, and so the, the effect is amplified. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's to me, it's, it's a wonderful adventure. And, and, you know, when people come, you know, when I, when I work with people and they talk about their suffering and stuff like that, or if somebody, somebody came to me and said, I just lost my job. And I said, oh, that's so great. You know, this this gives you the opportunity to, to create yourself. This gives you the opportunity to move into other venues. This is a fabulous thing. You should celebrate. And they look at me like I'm crazy. But they wouldn't have lost their job if it wasn't important for them to grow. Sure. So when you recognize your life purpose, own it. Even if you've, I mean, sometimes it feels awkward, especially if your life purpose is a a sharp left turn from the dynamics you've been living up to that moment. Mm -hmm. It can be kind of awkward to embody a language or a modality or something that your ego is not familiar with. But the more we show up with a passion, with an excitement, with a, a more focused intention about our piece of the puzzle, our life purpose, the more we put that zing to it, the more we accelerate out of the darkness and the more we firm up the future that is more cohesive and harmonious and compassionate. I mean, we can take a thousand lifetimes to get to heaven or we can do it in 10. And and what'll decide that is how we show up and what we intend to do with our um, with our power to create what our future will be. Yeah, it is amazing, and and you know I I tell people that that every every soul here is important for for creation to be complete. Sure. So so that there is nobody that is not essential for the totality of what's going on Uh, and and you know you you get people who are famous and who are constantly in the news or whatever but but i mean the gal that checks my groceries is just as important as i am 
indeed. And, and you know, I, I think that random acts of kindness are a cool thing to do. They bring a smile to everybody's face and there's, there's light there. And the more you can spread light in very simple ways, it, it, it counts, it builds, it's cumulative, it's a snowball. And, and you, you don't have to be famous or have a lot of money to do this work. You have to have intent. In, indeed, very, very well said. So I am, I am, I just noticed my time here. I just, I want to, <laughs> we could go on forever. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you so very much for, for struggling through all of this with me and, and getting a show finally put together. I want to thank you for having me. It's been such a delight to talk to you. Thank you so much. Well, I do appreciate it, and I appreciate everybody that's listening. And um, I do have to sign off because I have to get other stuff put into this so I can get it up on the on the Internet, you know, in a reasonable amount of time. Les, this has been a, a joy, and, and I so appreciate you're going through computer trouble and ice storms with me. And I would love to have you back again. I'd love to, you know, grab a hold of some of your books. And I do want to talk about your school too. So we haven't covered everything I wanted to, but, but time is not with me tonight. So <clears throat> will you come back again and join me for another adventure? You betcha. It's always my pleasure. Thank you so much again. And good night, everybody.